What's going on, Cubs fans? You have found the Lockdown Cubs podcast, part of the Lockdown Network, your team every day. I am your host, Sean Sears. Joining me today is Ryan Davis, our other host. Ryan, um, after this pretty awful game 163, what are your thoughts on the Cubs right now? Be as positive as you can. As positive as I can. Uh, <laughs> no, just let it go, man. <laughs> uh, I'll, say, I'll say my most positive statement is we get at least one more baseball game this year. Yeah, we're guaranteed one. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, for those of you who missed it, I don't know how you would at this point. The Cubs lost game 163, uh, scored a 3-1 to one against the Brewers, which means the Brewers have officially claimed the NL Central crown. They've won the division this year for 2018. The Cubs are the top wildcard seat, so they will play tomorrow today whenever you're listening to this podcast at 7.05 on Tuesday against the Colorado Rockies who lost to the Dodgers um, so the Dodgers have won the NLS so things are settling here we're going to kind of pre or we'll recap game 63 in the first segment in the second segment we're going to talk about this offense the Cubs are out hit 12 to 3 today and Orlando Garcia hit more hits or tied for the Cubs team altogether hits and hits that he had today so that's pretty fun um, so we'll talk about that in the second segment, go over the offense and kind of what this means for this Cubs postseason hopes. And in the third and final segment, we will preview the wildcard game against the Rockies, which features John Lester versus Kyle Freeland, who is pitching on three A's rest, I think, right? He is. And before we get there, that is um, uh, historically not great for the for the pitchers <laughs> who go on three days rest. But uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like everything points towards the Cubs winning that game. Right. So that's why we should be afraid because <laughs> yeah. they should win that game. Anyway, we'll get to it in the third segment. We'll get real deep into the transitive property and what that means. Um, but beyond that, um, we'll preview the wild card game in the third and final segment. So today, uh, as I said, now the Cubs lost this game 163. So scored a 3-1. Um, pretty frustrating overall day. The Cubs offensively just couldn't do anything. Um, like we said, three hits. The one run they scored was a solo shot from Anthony Rizzo that tied the game up at that point, five in the fifth. Um, at the top of the third, though, Christian Yelich hit a single into center field that scored Orlando Arcia, making it a one nothing lead over the Cubs here in the third. Anthony Rizzo came up in the fifth inning and tied the game up on a home run, uh, absolutely teed off on that ball. Um, I think 430, 420 feet, absolutely like, – barely stayed in the park in the right field uh tying the game up there oh go ahead right i was gonna say it was one of those like um it wasn't even a question of whether it got out before the camera even switched from the batter angle (laughs) to the like as soon as you saw him swing and hit it you're like and that's a home run even with the wind blowing in from right and with a kind of a chilly day it was uh it was very obviously a homer yeah, the outfielders didn't turn around. That's when you know, especially when you got the camera instead of just like following the ball, panning out to catch it because um, it left the frame so fast. Um, unfortunately, that was the one high moment for the Cubs in this game. In the top of the eighth, Lorenzo Cain singled into center field that scored Orlando Arcia after uh, Arcia. And then I think Domingo Santana got on base with Arcia, I think, walked. And then, no, he got a hit actually. He singled and then Domingo Santana doubled down the left field line. First and second, and then Kane with the single. Braun followed up with another single. The Brewers took a three to one lead, and that was the game. Um, when you're talking about frustrating losses, this is one of them a hundred percent because this is a game that the Cubs just didn't even challenge, it feels like the Brewers all day. And they got a pretty good start from Jose Quintana. He only went five innings, gave up six hits, all of them singles. He scattered them across the field, they gave up the one earned run. 
had four strikeouts, no walks. This was a really good game from Quintana, and I think if he wasn't so you know, not fantastic going through the lineup the third time, he probably would have stayed in this game longer. But, you know, comes out. It's it just one of these games where it just felt like nothing was going to go the Cubs' way pretty much from the get-go, and unfortunately it ends with the Brewers uh, dousing the visitors' clubhouse in champagne. Yeah, it's uh, it was one of those games uh, that we talked about all year. Those games that you dread the clunker. Um, mm-hmm. it, it seems like they pretty much have won every single time they score double digits and runs, which they did yesterday against the Cardinals. So um, it was you know cynically you knew the clunker was around the corner, and it, you know it happened. And it it wasn't. I I don't want to say that the Cubs. I don't want to bury them in an unfair way. I will bury them fairly, but not unfairly. <laughs> yeah. And I will say that f- most of the players I believe were having decent at bats. Uh, they weren't having the, the hack at bats. Like I talked about on the last podcast, they weren't, you know, going up there, swing, strike one, swing, strike two, swing, strike three. It wasn't, it wasn't that it was, you know, uh, like the Rizzo ball went out, but you know, you had Hayward who crushed one, that's probably a home run. Right. Uh, I forgot about I that ball. I, I didn't see the stat cast on it, but I would say like the way he hit it and how hard he hit it at the launch angle, I would guess that's a that's a home run like 80% of the time in, in all of Major League Baseball or 75% of the time. Um, the wind just it took took care of it. If, if the wind's not even blowing, that's probably eight rows deep. So um, there's a ball that was a home run. Uh, you had a runner on first base with Wilson Contreras up. He tries to bunt on the first pitch. Second pitch, he grounds it right back to the pitcher for a double play. You end up with uh, two runners on with two outs in that inning um, before the inning comes to an end, you know, without any runs scored with Baez um, right. up there at the plate. Or Baez actually had the patient at bat that you don't expect to see from him. We were texting about this. Uh, yeah, you expect that he's going to swing at those pitches outside the zone, and then he right. doesn't. And then he swings through a fastball right down the middle on 3-2. And right. you're just like, that's the pitch he normally hits. You know, that's the one he – it was such a backwards at bat for Baez. And it was against a reliever in Soria who had a good career, but he wasn't all that great with the Brewers since they brought him in. So this isn't like – this isn't Corey Knable out there. Mm-mm. You know, it's not it's not Josh Hader, Jeremy Jeffress. This is a guy who's, you know, you can get him. He's hittable. He's 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 a good reliever, but he's hittable. Um, and yeah, Baez swings through strike three, and you know that was the big inning. And it and it, it was just that that compilation of all the things that happened throughout the game. And then yeah, Madden pulls Quintana, and it's defensible because you know he does struggle third third time through, and he had given up um, you know another hit to. Uh, Christian Yelich leading off the inning and Madden really just wanted to stop the bleeding there, right. which he did with Jesse Chavez who came in, uh, you know, got out of that inning quickly and then threw six pitches in the next inning. And, you know, you were through the seventh inning, you know, having only given up one run, except, you know, you, you bring in uh, Justin Wilson who had been better somewhat recently but you right. know he was bad against the cardinals a couple days ago and he's bad today and then you have to see <laughs> shack who you know poor c shack has to try and you know find his way out of it when he's got runners on base and you know the, just the whole thing it was it was every bad thing that happens on the bad days all happening and they still only lost three to one 
I mean, it was still a relatively close game. The uh, that was the other thing is you know two outs in the ninth inning. Bias has another outstanding at bat against Josh Hader, hits a single, right. and then Anthony Rizzo comes up and hit, hits one about three hundred and sixty-five or three hundred and seventy-five feet to the wrong part of the park, mm-hmm. uh, and you know it's just like so close in so many ways and yet they didn't get there i would have to believe they bounce back and have a good game tomorrow but uh, you just never know with this team that's so true and it just felt like after that buys a bat it was going to be impossible for the cubs to really just come back and win this game because canable gets in and then hater comes in and throws two innings uh just absolutely lights out the only thing I was thinking, I was like, God, well, you know, maybe if we can get these guys burnt out in this series, maybe we can we hopefully win on Wednesday and, you know, go and face them Thursday. Maybe these guys aren't in complete shape. And I was like, well, there's rest and it doesn't matter and whatever. But, you know, it, it was hard to find that silver lining in this game. Um, uh, just a frustrating loss, a game that the Cubs really needed, of course. Now it's going to be all uphill from this point on. For the most part, the Cubs are going to just continue to have to grind and maybe being in that mentality, just knowing that they can't make mistakes. They have to have good at bats. Maybe it changes, but you know, right now this looks like a team that even if they are able to get through the wild card, are going to struggle again in a five-game series with the Brewers, who are you know easily the hottest team in this in the National League right now. So um yeah. Yeah, I, I think bounce back tomorrow is going to happen with the matchup and everything, but you just don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's one of those things where they talk about you know no excuses, and we we've been there before, and um you know we we know how to do this, and and blah blah blah, and they I feel like I heard that a lot last year too, especially when they were down three nothing and they came back and won uh, the one game against the Dodgers, and they talked about you know we've been down three one before and we've done this and. You know, we're a championship team. We won the previous year, blah, blah, blah. And then when they lost, there was a lot of kind of like, yeah, we were pretty tired. We were exhausted. I mean, it showed. And it was kind of just like an accepting of defeat after the fact. Um, And I kind of get that with this team. Like, I feel like that's right at the edge. There's a lot of talk about we've been there before, blah, 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 you know, puffing your chest up and saying, you know, we're not going to be anybody's easy out. I think that's only true until it's not true anymore like 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 if they lose tomorrow there's going to be a lot of not necessarily making excuses in that locker room but just talking when when the reporters ask about you know playing all those days in a row and a rough schedule down the stretch and the lack of rest and all the injuries it's going to be like yeah we had a ton of injuries and it did affect us and you know all the travel that we had to do in september and all the days in a row it did affect us and we were basically running out of gas and we were we were trying to win games running on fumes at the end of the season with a a hot brewers team that just would not lose games and yeah that that's kind of where i feel like we're at the cusp of that moment happening anytime now where yeah we we, we could be sitting watching post game where the players are just saying yeah we we just didn't have it yeah, and that's that's a great point because that that kind of was the talk last year. It was kind of like, well, you know, it just you know, we were tired, blah, blah blah blah. This season, it's very obvious that's that's the case here, and they've all kind of been like, well, you know, you know, let's fight through. We're we're fine, blah blah blah. This is the situation we have to accept it, and it's 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 like defensible, but it's also just kind of like, okay, yeah, but you know, if you were thinking like this, clearly, like this wasn't going to happen anyways. So like, I I don't know. There's there's a million different ways to look at it. The good news is the Cubs have another game. They can still make a postseason run. They're still in the postseason. They do, you know, 
they they do match up. I mean, it's a tough matchup, but they do match up well against the Brewers. Like both the Cubs and Brewers do things that the other team can't. And when the Cubs are playing offensively the way they should, they they probably should beat this Brewer team. Because I mean, you know, they scored three runs off of you know just really hard fought at bats and you know just executing at the right time and taking advantage of the mistakes the Cubs just seemingly couldn't. So, Alicia Seaton, gotta say that guy's name. The Cubs just can't figure him out. I, I tweeted this earlier today, but he finished the season. I don't remember the innings for every total, but his overall ERA was 3.50, which is good. I think it was the best on the Brewers for a starter. Um, his ERA in five starts against the Cubs was 1.59, and his ERA against everybody but the Cubs was 3.83. Yep. <laughs> so, I mean, like, the season he had against the Cubs was the difference between like 3.50 and 3.83 like that you know it's not like a you know the difference between Cy Young and a number five starter but like that's a pretty big gap there that basically just games against the Cubs created for him right he's essentially just like a an all central nightmare for the Cubs for the most part but yeah I mean like even just saw like in a lot of the bats like they were talking about how he needed to locate in the bottom half of that strike zone and do all that but when he's got a his slider or his sinker slider combination that's like more of a two seamer than anything but like when it tails back and goes you know either way they don't move a ton it's just like it looks like the same pitch until one veers left and the other one just kind of like tails back into your bat so even if like you are on top of that slider or that sinker like you just miss the bat head on a bunch and just create soft contact and when you think you are anticipating that soft contact and you maybe you can fight for the bottom half of that strike zone like you get caught up on a slider and now you're over swinging and you just miss it it's just he is a tough guy to pick up on it just seems like the cubs collectively don't see that type of combination well who, who knows but um yeah. let's uh let's roll into the second segment we'll talk a little more about this cubs offense um some of the things that they did over this last month of baseball that are pretty ugly and uh talk about what they need to do clearly to get better and win some games here by scoring runs So offensively today, like we were talking about, the Cubs did not do very well. Ended the game with three hits compared to the 12 hits from the Brewers. Uh, this is just another one of those things where we talk about this Cubs offense having a big game one day and coming in the next game scuffling. Um, I know there was that Chris Kamka tweet. Do you have that pulled up, Ryan? Uh, I can have it pulled up, yeah. But, it, I mean, <laughs> essentially it's uh, uh, another way that the Cubs finished in second place this year, but it's uh, also not very good. Yeah, I know it was like essentially the Cubs finished in the bottom five of teams scoring runs. I think they were second to last actually in the month of uh, was it? It was the month of September, right? That was just the run total for September, right? I'm no, not, it was um, uh, Chris Kampka, oh, uh, who was NBC Sports Chicago. Uh, he he tweeted most games this season with one or zero runs scored. The Cubs were the second most. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles had forty games. The Cubs had 39, the Marlins 37, the Giants 36, and the Mets 35. Um, I, I guess you could say, well, what do all those teams have in common? If you take out the Cubs, they're all not playoff teams, but they're all just pathetic offenses. Um, yeah. And, I mean, the the Cubs, I don't know. I didn't see what they finished in the National League, if it was like third or fourth in run scored or whatever, but um, – you wouldn't want to say that that team is a pathetic offense, and yet I can't really see any better way to describe the second half that they had 
they kind of are a pathetic offense most days. So after today's rough game here on the offensive end, Joe Madden said in his press conference, uh, the consistent hard contact has not been there more than anything. I can't give you a solid reason. We have to find it quickly. The capabilities are within this group. We have one more shot tomorrow right to ship. Um, and then Zach Raymer from Bleacher Report, he's their lead baseball writer. So the Cubs offense kind of looks like an offense that had an 80 runs creation in September, which they did. Um, <laughs> it, it just show, I mean, this offense, particularly this last month of baseball, when they've really needed them to kind of pull through, have, have not been there. Um, through the month of September, it's bad. It's very bad. Uh, a 1.9 war on the season or for the month of September – Batting 239, 303 on base percentage, 676 slugging. So clearly they're either smashing the ball or getting no runs. But uh, it's just awful, awful offensive baseball to watch right now. Yeah, it's not fun. I'll say that. And <laughs> you know, I was texting with uh, my good friend Jared Willis, and he was saying, like, even if they lose tomorrow, he's not mad at, about what happens because – um, this team has had so much going against them all year in the way of injuries and uh, you know other other situations with the rainouts and the scheduling and all that. And I said, think about it this way: the, this is what would would make me angry uh, if they come out and have another clunker tomorrow. I said, if you could go back in time and tell yourself that this team would find itself with uh, ninety five wins and uh, they'd be stuck in the wild card game, losing it w- with a clunker because uh, of shitty offense. And you also know that this team has acquired a healthy Daniel Murphy, and has him with a healthy and uh, a good hitting uh, a more 2016 Ben Zobrist than 2017 Ben Zobrist. Um, has a hot Anthony Rizzo, uh, an MVP type season from Javier Baez. Um, Chris Bryant has been hurt, but is back in the lineup and is, you know, maybe 75% of himself at this point. Um, you have Wilson Contreras healthy and in there. I mean, you, you have basically everybody healthy and available. Uh, Jason Hayward healthy in there, having his best offensive season as a Cub. Uh, Kyle Schwaber healthy, available. He and Hap healthy, available. Albert Amor, the list goes on. You have all that, and yet this team struggles to score runs. If you went back in time and told yourself that, you would wonder how that's even possible. Right. How it's possible they got to the point where they are, but we've watched it unfold with our eyes. Um, I, I think that same tweet from Zachary Reimer from Bleacher Report, he uh, he mentioned, or maybe there's a follow-up tweet, that the Brewers are the team that looks like they had um, a WRC plus of 110 in September because they did. So they were, what, 30% better than the Cubs offensively. Yeah. And it showed. I mean, even though they only scored three runs, the Cubs pitched well overall um, outside of, you know, that, that eighth inning where it kind of came on, undone against Justin Wilson. But, you know, Jose Quintana was excellent. And, in fact, you know, wouldn't wouldn't totally surprise me if the Cubs do advance and move on to see him taking one of the earlier games in that series against the Brewers just because he did pitch so well and he only threw, I think, 64 pitches against them. So um, on the pitching side, it's been fairly good. It's just this offense. You know, we we beat that horse to death in the first segment talking about exactly how it happened. But, you know, the fact that it still does happen there, you know, 
they're in this position where the, you have these, you know, micro events of these games where the Cubs were just one swing away from taking that game at any point. And yet, you know, you can point to it and say, well, the Hayward ball could have gone out. And, you know, if Wilson Contreras had been grounded into a double play, they probably end up having a big inning. And if the wind's not blowing in, Rizzo hits a second home run and ties it in the ninth. I mean, all these things are what ifs. But um, the problem is they all of these games that they've had like this throughout the year put them in the scenario that they're in now. Yeah. And that's really the greater problem to me is the fact that this has gone on for so long. I got into it with uh, it was fairly friendly, but got into it with some people on Twitter talking about how like they were encouraged after the Cardinals game when the Cubs broke out and scored 10 runs. I'm like, what what encourages you about this offense just because they did it against the Cardinals and uh, and their pitching staff on the last day of the year? Like, right. like what what have you seen in the second half that makes you believe that that means anything? You know, they, it doesn't mean anything just because you know. And I said even if the Cubs came out against the Brewers today and scored 10 runs again, I wouldn't think that going into the NLDS against whoever they would be playing, that they could do it again. Like it, it doesn't necessarily mean that this team can have these clunkers at any single time. And that's just who they are. There's nothing they could not do anything to change my opinion of them at this point for this season. And that that's frustrating. Right. And it, it, it's hard to point at one thing and be like, this is it. This is the reason. Like people on Twitter are kind of like, well, you know, I think the first thing that needs to happen is Chili Davis get fired. Okay. Well, you know, does Chili Davis have a different hitting approach than the Cubs' old hitting coach, John Mealy? Yeah. Yeah. He does. But he's not the person that you look at and be like, what the heck's going on? You know, like you, you got to look across everyone in this lineup and there's just a massive power outage right now with this Cubs team. There, There is, you know, a team that, Three, or just last year had, what, four or five guys that hit 20-plus home runs. Um, have a guy that, you know, Javier Baez hit 30, Rizzo's at 25, and then the next one I think is, like, is it Ian Happ or Daniel Murphy at, like, 14? Like, what? Like, Chris Bryant has 12 home runs. Like, granted, Hurt spent almost a month and a half, almost two months on the DL, um, but still 12 home runs, like was on pace to hit maybe 20th healthy, like wasn't having even when he was, you know, not on the DL, I guess he probably wasn't healthy, but wasn't having a great season even to begin with. Like Wilson Contreras has 10 home runs on the season. Like it just, they, they don't have any power. And on top of it, they take these just God awful at bats sometimes in these games where like they, they really need to see pitches. They need to get the starter out of the game. And instead they're swinging at a, you know, 2-0 fastball that's barely in the zone because you know that's what they need to do in that situation maybe i don't know it just it seems like there's times too when they all of a sudden do hit and then they get themselves caught up in some really dumb base running like how many times we've we seen ian hat picked off from first at least three times in the last month and a half like it's just frustrating they seem to shoot themselves in the foot or one person works a great six pitch seven pitch at bat and gets a walk or a single and then you know, someone comes up behind them and either pops it up on two strikes or strikes out swinging or grounds into double play. It just doesn't seem like the run production happens unless it's like six guys in the same inning just crushing the ball. Yeah, that's the problem is it uh, it has to be that kind of sequencing of everybody decides to hit all in the same inning and then they end up getting three runs because, you know, five guys called the ball into the outfield for, you know, a single or a double. You know, that's that's kind of how they score the runs, whereas, you know, you see these other teams uh, throughout this same second half against the Cubs, 
be able to okay so the guy walked and then he moved a second either he stole the base or they you know um you know hit and run and moved him over that way or even bunted if they had the right you know the guy up there or the pitcher um and, and then they get him to second and then they find a way to get him in whether it's moving him to third uh somehow and then a, a fly ball or whatever it may be they find ways to get these guys home in a way that the cubs just don't seem to do and it's frust it's frustrating you just can't watch baseball like that uh, i can't anyway i i can't watch it consistently and, and like not loathe myself for it so uh, i'm sure that a lot of listeners feel the same way watching you know okay so so and so got on first base with nobody out hooray where is he going to get stranded first or second you know, like, mm-hmm. or, or they're going to just ground straight into a double play. I mean, that's, that's what this team has been offensively. They don't get scratch those runs across in the way that other teams do. And you find these just massive empty handed innings that they have um, all cl- clustered together. And then they come up with, you know, Rizzo in the fifth inning and they, they they still haven't scored a run against Julie scene. And then, you know, you, you get into the eighth inning where you're putting Justin Wilson on the mound, and guess what? You've scored one run. One run was never going to win that game. They got lucky that they kept yeah. it as close as they did, but, man, they only scored one run. They, were, they weren't going to win that way, and they're not going to win tomorrow if they score one run because I don't see this Colorado Rockies team getting shut out even with playoff John Luster on the mound. It's not going to happen. So they're going to have to go out there knowing – hey, we need probably at least four runs, and even then it might be nail-biting at the end. So you got to score runs. That's the name of the game at this point. If the Cubs want to survive, they have to score runs, and I do not have any faith that they will figure that out. No, I I don't either. And unfortunately, when you look at the rest of this postseason picture for the Cubs, I mean, they, they just legitimately have to get better on offense. They have to be the team that they were in this first half. I mean... The Cubs were coming into like the middle of August or even just the month of August were a top five team in runs scored. They were a top five team in walks. They were a top, they led the league and on base percentage are still in the top percentage of teams on on base. You know, they had a runs creation of, I think it was like 107, 108. They're down to a hundred right now it, it, for the season. It, it just, it, this offense just literally nosedived and, there's there's nothing you can point to other than the fact that they just aren't doing offense correctly. Like they just aren't going approaching at bats the way that you need to sometimes. Like they just have too many wasted at bats. Or sometimes they want to be patient and all of a sudden they're down 0-2. And now they, you know, pitch and hold themselves into a situation where they're just fouling off pitches, hoping a mistake comes. You, you just can't it seems like anytime that they can shoot themselves in the foot they cut their foot off. So it, <laughs> it just, it, it's like it, it's hard to put your finger on one situation and, and it happens so inconsistently or consistently inconsistent that it's tough to really have any faith in this team other than just hoping that someone is going to just be savvy enough to have a good at bat and, and, and make something happen. It's going to just take individual efforts. And I don't know. I, I, I just am not very confident in this. So, um, yeah, that, that sounds like a perfect time to move on and preview tomorrow's playoff wildcard game. Exactly. We have no confidence that this team will figure out how to score runs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump to that third segment. So good news for the Cubs before we get started in previewing this game. Pedro Stropa will be available tomorrow. 
he is that going is to be he is going to be able to throw. So that's great because they did use quite a few arms. Um, we, I guess we're going to finalize. We'll get the first final picture of what the playoff roster will look like. I mean, it's one game, so nothing crazy, of course. But um, it's going to be well, John. Sorry, it is kind of crazy. It is kind of crazy, right? Because they only they're only taking two starters. So they have a bunch of extra roster spots. Yeah. Right. So like uh, they're taking Lester and, and uh, Cole Hamels is kind of the backup of the the Justin Case guy. Um, but outside of that, they've got um, essentially what three extra roster spots that they can play with. You know the the Hendricks, Montgomery, and um, uh, Quintana spots, or I guess maybe just the the Hendricks and Quintana spots. Montgomery will probably be in the bullpen, I would guess. But yeah. Yeah, like um, Joe Madden basically said that the only pitcher that he thinks wouldn't be available, you know, amazingly, is Jaime Garcia, which I haven't I haven't kept tabs on how much he's been used lately because usually when he comes in the game, I'm mentally checked out. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but, he's, but apparently he's been used to the point where he can't pitch tomorrow. He has come up a few times. I think he's pitched three games in a row, actually. He's come in and thrown a couple innings. But yeah, he's like been like the last guy on the mound before. I mean, he was the last game, the last guy on the mound for yesterday's game. Um, he was in the game today, of course. Um, he was in the game before that, I think, or if not before that, the game, like I think he pitched maybe Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he actually has some decent usage. So that makes sense. But, yeah, it, it's going to be, I mean, clearly plenty of arms to go off of here. Um, Lester, this is the type of game that this dude, I mean, this is what the, he lives for. This is exactly why he came to the Cubs, to pitching games like this. So I'm not. I'm not necessarily worried about him doing anything. Clearly it's this offense. And the only place I could really see John Lester running into issues would be if he can't locate uh, this Colorado Rocky offense is for real. Clearly, uh, like you said there, I mean, and they're one of the hotter teams in baseball coming to this as well. Push the Dodgers into the situation at one point. Where, I mean, like a week ago they had the division, they had a game and a half lead over the Dodgers. Um, so, I mean, this is a legit team, a team that, can put together plenty of offensive pop. Uh, the good news for the Cubs is Kyle Freeland is going on three days rest. He's the starter for the Rockies on the season. He's got a 2.85 ERA. Um, he's 17 and seven, if that means anything to you. Um, 70 or 173 strikeouts. He's he's a he's a really good pitcher, having a really good season for the uh, for the Rockies. Um, Three days rest, though, as we kind of teased at the beginning of the show, is never a good formula, um, usually for any pitcher, particularly in a moment like this. Um, what are we expecting to see from Kyle? Or Kyle I guess Kyle Freeland. I wanted to say Kyle Freeman for some reason. <laughs> I like Kyle Freeman. Let's start him instead. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, you, you just said it. Uh, Freeland has started on three days rest once in his career. I didn't look up and see when it was, if it was this year or a different year, but Um, Once in his major league career, he went three innings. He allowed two earned runs, and he got the loss in that game. Uh, Looking at his career against the Cubs, he started two games. He has lost both of them. He has a 4.15 ERA, but he's allowed six earned runs and eight total runs, so eight runs and 13 innings on 10 hits, five walks, 11 strikeouts. So fairly mediocre numbers against the Cubs. Again, those numbers don't necessarily mean much, but... Right. Um, it's nice to hear them. Uh, it's nice to know that this Cubs team, you know, he's a young guy, so th- this Cubs team has seen him twice and has gotten to him twice. So there's some sort of game plan there that has worked for them. Uh, so, you know, it's not like an all hope is lost kind of thing. Um, this is a guy that I think is obviously having an amazing season, um, but he's being put in a very tough situation. And 
we're going to find out how he's going to react. I mean, if there is one thing scheduling and travel wise that's actually benefiting the Cubs at this point, it's that they've been in Chicago for a really long time. They haven't had to leave essentially since they came back from the Arizona Diamondback series. That's uh, true. They came back to play the White Sox and then. Uh, I'm forgetting who it was after the White Sox, uh, but then it was the Cardinals after that. Pirates. Yeah, they, they came back, they played the White Sox, then four against the Pirates, then three against the Cardinals, and then today against the, the Brewers, and then tomorrow will be again at Wrigley Field against the Rockies, whereas the Rockies had to go play late afternoon game, which is actually a 5 o'clock West Coast start, right? Mm-hmm. That, or I'm doing that backwards. It was a 3 o'clock Central Time start, so it was a 1 o'clock oh, West Coast start. Yeah. Um, so it was an afternoon start for them, but they played against the uh, the Dodgers on the West Coast, lost that game, and then had to get on a plane and fly to Chicago to play tomorrow's game. That's a good point. Uh, to you know, seven o'clock at night. So um, they're traveling across two time zones to do that. Um, the, there is an advantage there for the Cubs, I think. You know, playing today's game and then going to bed in their own beds and then sleep maybe sleep in tomorrow. Not not have to be at the ballpark until what like three thirty. 345 something like that so um yeah there there is a little bit of advantage here i would say if i if i were throwing out the fact that i'm so angry at the cubs for being so pissed poor <laughs> offensively i would say the cubs have a major advantage in this game but you just don't know yeah and freeland's one of those pitchers where the cubs do kind of you could see them struggling against him just because he does miss bats and you know the cubs are, are i mean a, an aggressive team to begin with but just uncharacteristically aggressive in this last you know, 14, 21 days, whatever you want to look at it as this last month of September. So I could very well see them just kind of swinging out of their shoes and getting themselves out of it. But also I, it seems like they're just very, I, it just feels like even just like some of the things they were saying in the locker room today, it just felt like they were way more like focused or maybe just like amped up or ready for this challenge. than I think, maybe they have come into in like regular season games where they're struggling right now. I know Hayward had some comments where he was saying like something like they've been fortunate enough to see a a lot of crazy stuff happen in the last few years. Um, So he's saying like basically they're expecting 2018 to be another one of these years where, you know, they're just going to pull something out of nothing is basically how he's making it seem. I know Chris Bryant said he was excited to play under the lights in October, you know, kind of making references to October baseball and whatnot. So, I mean, like I think they're excited for this. It's, you know, it's such a weird thing because the Cubs didn't let themselves like really celebrate anything. And now it's just kind of like, all right, well, I guess we have to go do this now. And, you know, then, you know, if we celebrate, we're not really sure what we're celebrating there, too, because we have to go face the team that just, you know, knocked us out of the <laughs> the division. So it's there's a lot of mental like gaps and things they're going to have to kind of leap through to make this just kind of make sense and be in the right mindset. But I, it sounds like they're ready and they're there and they're I don't know, just amped up to play a wild card baseball game, which you would think it sounded like from the comments Kyle Schorber made earlier this week, it's something they just like didn't want to even have anything to do with it. Uh, saying something like it takes like five years off your life or something. So, I mean, I mean, this is an intense game, but like you said, things are stacking up the Cubs way and the way they're approaching right now is at least encouraging. Yeah. I'm looked up uh, the last time Freeland pitched against the Cubs. Apparently this is, a big time rematch from April 30th this year, Freeland against John Lester at that point uh, in the season. I think that's at Wrigley Field. Um, Freeland went seven innings, six hits, three earned runs, one walk, five strikeouts, uh, lost the game. Lester went five and two thirds, five hits, two two runs, none earned, 
three walks, five strikeouts. Luke Farrell came in in relief and got the victory in one and a third innings. It didn't allow any base runners with two strikeouts. Remember when Luke Farrell was good? Um, yeah. Then Pedro Strope came in, and then Brian Dunsing, who had a 0.00 ERA at that point, and then Steve Ciszek got his first save of the season. So um, that's been a long time ago, to say the least, but um, <laughs> that, that was the very first John Luster versus Kyle Freeland game. The rematch, um, as it's been called by me four seconds ago. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a game the Cubs should win. They need to win, clearly, but this is everything stacking up in the way the Cubs should come out on top of this game but you know as we've talked about the transit property would tell us that that usually equals cubs losing uh one to nothing or two to one so uh right it's gonna be yeah every, every time you think they have the advantage is when they you know come out and lose like 10 to 2 or something stupid like that so yeah um i'll just say that um i i have all the faith in the world that they win this game but in my DraftKings lineup for tomorrow, I've got Kyle Freeland, I've got Nolan Arenado, <laughs> got Charlie Blackman, I've got Trevor Story, I've got Chris Iannetta. So yeah, that, that's that's how much faith I have in this Cubs team doing what I think I expect them to do. Yeah, I I'm in the same way. I'm I'm confident in John Lester having a good game. I, I'm confident in this bullpen being able to execute for the most part, especially if Pedro Strope is here and is Pedro Strope. I feel yeah. good about that. I feel good about all that. It's just, you know, which offense is going to show up. And we'll know probably from the first inning and how the at-bats go. Um, I really wish Joe Madden would pull Daniel Murphy out of the leadoff spot. It doesn't make sense to me, but, you know, here we are. Yeah. Well, you know what's weird to me is the fact that they're going with Pedro Strope on the roster. If there's one time where I thought it didn't make sense to run him out there, it's in this game. I, I thought it would have been, like, excusable to try him out uh, against the Brewers in game 163 because you you get to live to fight another day after that. But, man, imagine if they run Pedro Strope out there after, after not having pitched against live batters in, what, a couple weeks uh, in a do-or-die game and he, you know, just gets lit up because he's rusty and, and hasn't pitched. Like, that, that just seems like a bad time to give him his first trip out there. Like, I, I could see putting him out there in, like, the sixth or seventh inning of a – uh, a game one or game two of a playoff series, but man, this is right. like setting him up for failure. That's true. I know. I mean, Strope himself would love that moment. Um, execution wise, who knows what happens, but the good news is, I mean, the Cubs are going to have a ton of fans at Wrigley field. This is going to be an amped up atmosphere. They're going to be excited. Um, it sounds like, I mean, this very well, I mean, if the Cubs have a really good game, it, it doesn't necessarily dictate, what we're going to expect from them, but it could show it could be a big sign or clearly winning a game like this would be a turning point in a season. It could maybe not necessarily be the turning point, but it could be a moment that you rally around and gives you that kickstart. You need to get into this postseason, and you're amped up against a brewer team that just kind of kicked your teeth in a little bit. So I don't know. I can see how it comes together. I'm just not sure how it actually will come together. <laughs> and Sam's still on the cynical side. I could see this being the, the rallying moment of you know we we had the adversity of having to you know lose the division and go to the wild card and and we're all amped up to play the brewers because we just lost the division to them and this is uh you know all you know whatever uh, revenge for us and and then they score one run in the first game like <laughs> that, is, that is like this cubs team to a t for me like you every everything leads you to believe that they're finally turning a corner and 
you know, they score four runs in three games and go home like yeah. that, that. That would just be very Cub. That's Cub. That's Cub. Everybody's in on that. All right, we'll wrap up on that, guys. Uh, game tomorrow, 7.05 start at Wrigley Field. I think it's on ESPN. So uh, watch the game and then uh, mute it and put Pat and Ron on so you can have good announcers. That's what I, I did today. I did, Yeah, I did the same exact <laughs> thing. I, I, uh, I use MLB TV, and throughout the season, they have this really cool option that anyone who uses MLB TV probably knows about, that uh, if you're watching the home feed like if i'm watching lennon uh i almost said lennon bob wow lennon wow. jd uh i could uh it it will sync pat and ron with the video for me if i want to just listen yeah. to pat and ron so occasionally throughout the year when i'm watching on a middle of tv i'd be like you know i love lennon jd but i'd love to listen to pat and ron do this game so they'll it'll sync it and it's absolutely perfect but i noticed today when i was watching with espn it did not have that option so I actually had to pull it up on my phone with Pat and Ron and <laughs> play the audio that way. That's what I did. Yeah, I listened to the game and watched. Yeah, it's bad. But yeah, check it out. Of course, I don't know why I'm telling you to check it out. Watch the game. Cheer on the Cubs. Let's hope we're talking, talking about the podcast on Wednesday, uh, previewing a five-game series with the Brewers and not doing some type of like overarching season synopsis on why I – really don't want to punch a hole in my wall and why J or why uh, Bryce Harper could fix that. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's what we'll be talking about. I told my wife, I was going to be doing the podcast tonight and she was like, Oh, you're doing another one again. And this is part of why like letting you behind the curtain for the listener, why it's been so infrequent when we had to change our schedule to the evenings. Uh, it was, you know, it's more difficult for me because that's like my family time. And, right. uh, and and i was just like well you know it's the playoffs you know this is kind of like the meaty time for me to be doing it i should be doing the the thing and she goes oh right though so you're not going to be doing that many more though <laughs> and i was just like Ow. <laughs> like you're very astute but wow mean <laughs> all right guys so thanks for tuning in uh you can find the podcast on itunes spotify google play anywhere you can find podcasts you can find the locked on cubs and the locked on network uh, this has been episode 147 of Lockdown Cubs. I am Sean Sears. That is Ryan Davis. Find us on Twitter. Follow Lockdown Cubs at Lockdown Cubs. Ryan is at Ryan Q Davis. I am Sean R. Sears. We are both writers from NBC Sports. Ryan does things for Bet Chicago and occasionally Sporting News. Thanks for tuning in, and hopefully we're talking about a Cubby win.